Well, dude, I appreciate the time. Obviously, you want to talk about the new album and the pandemic and all this madness in the world and, and get your opinion on a couple things musically related. But, uh, you know, I guess we got to start with the, the current times we're all living in. And, and I'm sure by far this is the longest you've been home in 20 years. Have you uh, picked up any new hobbies or, or <laughs> got, gotten any projects done or, or just been working on the beer belly? I've gotten really good at walking around in circles and uh, <laughs> sitting on the couch. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely the longest stretch of not playing a show. We, we played our last show in February, and we kept thinking, like, okay, well, you know, we'll cancel the March tour, but then June might be okay, and then we cancel the June tour. We think, well, then maybe September will be, you know, just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing to this point where our goal is early next year to be back on the road. But I, uh, you know... Quite honestly, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling about 50-50 with that. As far as other stuff, I mean, I had a bunch of other things going as well. I had just started making a bunch of short films, producing and writing and directing these short horror films, and we got a, a bunch done, and then the pandemic hit, and everything grinded to a halt till about a month ago, and I was like, I can't, I just can't sit around anymore. And I managed to pull together a completely COVID-safe uh, shoot with every single person on set and actors being tested and, and masks and distancing. And so I managed to pull off a very modest short film shoot. But other than that, it's been a lot of sitting around and watching TV. And, you know, it makes sense that uh, the film has always been part of your repertoire, but kind of cool to hear it kind of creep its way into tunes like special effects and, and movie blood and obviously the other side of your life bleeding into the music side of your life. Yeah, I think a lot of that, yeah, I think there was there was this sort of like weird synergy going on while I was writing these songs and also planning a lot of these movies just sort of, you know, that sort of started to bleed into each other, This you know, this sort of, you know, which is honestly not an unfamiliar territory for Power Man, which is sort of like this reality versus non-reality. You know, we created the simulation theory before it even existed with songs like Nobody's Real. And, you know, <laughs> I think that this idea of this illusion of life is really a big part of, of the record. You know, it's funny how themes start to develop when you make a record and you're not even really aware that you're doing it until it's done and, and either you look back at it or somebody else points it out and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that all did sort of make sense together even though you don't, you don't necessarily set out with that blueprint. I imagine the, uh, the, the blueprint, if anything, was diversity, diversity, diversity because uh, there's so many different shades and colors and textures, you know, from black lipstick to uh, Cannibal Killers uh, to Brave New World to VHS, like a lot of different painting with a lot of different colors and brushes and, and styles on this album. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, as compared to, say, the last record, which was New Wave album, which was kind of really much more guitar-driven. And, and, you know, and it all kind of, you know, there was, some, there was some diversity on that record, but it all kind of played in the same area. Whereas this record is, yeah, it's definitely, like, all over the place. And I, I never know if that worked to my advantage or my disadvantage over the years of being sort of musically schizophrenic at times like this but it's just i i can't you know it it's interesting there's a freedom that's happened look we've been around for many many years and and so many things have changed and the things that you used to be concerned with you don't really have to be concerned with anymore and so it definitely opens up you know creatively to not really worry too much about anything you know other than what you want to do i mean we've always done that but more so now there's nobody saying, well, you know, uh, radio isn't really keen on that sound right now or, or MTV is not going to put, you know, you don't, you don't get that. You don't have those conversations anymore. So it definitely opens you up to just not care in a sense and just do what you feel like doing. And that's kind of what definitely this album is all about. 
I love that. And and I also wanted to ask you too, uh, I don't know if you were like me, but until I saw the Go-Go's doc, dude, I didn't know they were so punk rock. I mean, I always loved Belinda Carlisle and thought she was smoking hot. <laughs> but did that did that doc inspire the cover or, or was that cover in mind long ago? No, we did the cover before the doc. I mean, I knew that obviously the doc was in production, but I didn't know about it. We had tried to get Jane Weedland to play on it um yeah but it came it became really like complicated and too much trouble you know so it was unfortunate we couldn't do that but we we really wanted to get somebody from the go-go's to be involved but no i mean the the go-go's have i have a really long history of being a go-go's fan and i saw them live opening for the police in 1981 if you can believe that you know it was like one of the very first concerts i ever went to i remember listening to that album, Beauty and the Beat. It's weird how certain things stick with you. And I remember it was in my friend Joel Murphy's basement in high school. And uh, we got it and we were listening to it. You know, I, I had been into a lot of punk rock stuff, you know, hardcore bands. And before that, but it always, it, it was always like this weird musical disconnect. But when I heard that Go-Go's record, there was something about like the simplicity of it. I remember saying, turning my friend and, and going like, we should start a band. Like we could do this. Like <laughs> I could, he, you know what I mean? It was like the first, because music was always not growing up a musician or, you know, learning music theory or anything like that. Most of the time music was very like mystical, you know, like, I don't know how to, you know, how would you ever do that? You know, like, how do you put those sounds together? But there's something about that, you know, guitar parts and the go-go's, they were just so, um, simple you know you could hear the pick just chuck 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 and i was like oh i could do that you know and um so oddly enough i you know i credit that album and that band for like making me realize that i should try to make some music wow so they were kind of yeah because i had that same moment although with a completely different band (laughs) but you'll probably laugh anyways for me that was poison watching their video and going i can do that Uh that's a way to get chicks although didn't quite work (laughs) out the same but having that same moment i can totally appreciate and, uh, you know, speaking of covers, interestingly enough on this album, too, you kind of cover yourself and I'm kind of curious why it was the time right for that now. Although I like the newer version, a little bit more uh, guitars in the mix, I feel like. But why why cover When Worlds Collide now? Well, so many things, I'm always honest. It's like we were asked to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like, you know, it's one of those things where I... I you know, we, we, we did this new deal with Cleopatra and we were really excited about it. And, uh, you know, they just kind of let us do our thing. But they asked us like, hey, would you mind doing a re-record of When Worlds Collide? Because clearly there's like still tons of value in that song. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, using the original is, is a bit more complicated sometimes and, uh, you know, for licensing purposes and stuff. So it really was, you know, at, at the beginning, just an exercise in like they asked and we said, yeah. So once I actually started doing it, it was a really strange process. It's like you can never recreate exactly what you did 20 years ago. You know, I mean, I'm 20 years older, so my voice has changed. This is different. I didn't want to tackle it and make it like really different. I wanted to try to recreate the original. It was a like a challenge, you know, like like how I would do it back then and how you know, I wouldn't instinctively make those choices vocally these days. And so it was crazy. Like we would we were working on it and we'd like A, B against the original. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, you know, wow. I never don't remember doing that. And just it was like a it was like a time warp a time machine kind of moment when, when we recorded it i bet was it more like dude or like dude was it more like dude <laughs> why did you do that or was it like dude you did that night nice yeah i mean i think there was a, it was hard to it was hard to do some of the things i i did you know, really strange inflections and things and that, that i wouldn't do these days you know i had no idea i like i never really was 
in the early days interested in singing, you know, like I singing in a traditional sense, you know, like very like melodic. Could never really I never really wrapped my head around that because, you know, as, as I've said a mil- million times, like the two forms of music that got me going were punk rock and rap. And neither of those genres relied a ton on melody. It was right. a lot of chanting and yelling and, you know, cool rhythmic patterns and I always that was where I always drew my vocal style from. But over the years I've, you know, learned to, you know, at least subtly imply a bit more melody into stuff. So going back to a song that just you know, didn't utilize that at all was interesting. You know, it was, it was like trying to hold myself back then from adding a couple notes here and there was, was the challenge. <laughs> well, I love it. I do love the guitars up in the mix and figured there was probably a little, little publishing going on and, and the reasons for doing that too. But uh, I appreciate all the time, man. Couple, a couple other things I wanted to hit you with. Uh, one last thing, yeah. the new album, I've been joking on the radio about it, Black Lipstick, like, not every girl can pull it off, but the ones that can, can, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a taste that is, you know, that song is funny because I, it's one of those things, again, talking about memories like the, the Go-Go's album. That song actually was inspired by, I always remembered um, when I was 18 years old, I went to art school in Boston. It was the first time, you know, coming from a small town in Massachusetts, like there, there, weren't, there weren't any goth chicks, you know? <laughs> right. And I remember going to art school and just suddenly like there was this new creature that I hadn't been aware of before. <laughs> Other than like Susie and the Banshees, you know, like they walked around in the middle of the day with like pancake white makeup and black lipstick and teased black hair. And I just remember like hanging out in Boston, like with one night with those girls. And I just find found them to be like so interesting. You know, it's like such a like I said, it was like finding a new species of animal. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, it always just kind of stuck with me. And for whatever reason, you know, all these years later, it just sort of reared its head again and to make it into a song. Well, you know, I think this is a, a kind of a great transition to, to get into the next topic that I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, you know, because ultimately, like you've talked about throughout this interview, you're a music fan, you grew up on punk rock and, and hip hop, and, and that's kind of what got you going. But we're all music fans. What I do, what you do, you're a music fan. And so I need your help in, in kind of settling a... Uh, household debate me and my wife got okay. into, have gotten into this and and we clearly have different answers and so now everyone every artist i talk to i want to get their opinion on it you gotta pick okay. one you, you can't give me no oh, i like both or whatever um, <laughs> comes down to this pretty hate machine versus downward spiral oh huh you know, I, I'm, I'm not dodging the question, but oddly enough, I think people would assume that I'm this huge Nine Inch Nails fan, but I love them, but I'm not like hugely. Uh, I think that uh, I would have to pick Downward Spiral. Did I picked the right one? Yeah, that's my pick. That's my pick. But tell me okay. why. As long as you agree with me, that's fine. We're, we're good. <laughs> but, but tell me why. Why does that Why does that one edge it out for you? Is it just like the, for me, it's the, the soundscape like that. It's like listening to a movie where Pretty Hate Machine was great and groundbreaking, but it was all kind of in the same vein. We're, we're down yeah, to well, spiral. I think, yeah, I think it's just uh, it's more elevated, you know what I mean? Like, I think if you go back and listen to, you're right, like Pretty Hate Machine was pretty groundbreaking and stuff, but if you listen to it, some of that stuff now, as great as those songs are, you know, it can feel a little like, you know, like, I hate to say, I'm going to get crucified, but a little cringy at times, you know, like in terms of like how it, you know, the later stuff, I think, yeah, it was just more grown up and elevated and more... Uh, layered and they were, you know it just had a it's like a lot of bands you know you sort of take your flag and then you you really expand upon it and with confidence and you know create something greater than the original you know for sure and technology played a part i mean as time went on he had more certainly had more to- toys to play with than he did in 88 when he was making pretty hate machine 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing back then how limited, tech, you know, like, a, I mean, we did the same, I, I look back at the, the the evolution of how we would, how we've made records over the years. It's crazy. Like, our, you know, uh, I mean, obviously in the early days, there was nothing. We just, it was live to tape. Everybody played the song in the room and maybe we overdubbed the guitar solo and that was the record. And even, uh, you know, Tonight's Stars Revolt uh, in 1999, like the use of, the use of computers, even though there are loops and sound in there was really limited like really you know there weren't a lot of people that like if you you had to really find somebody to help you with that stuff it's not like now where every everybody has pro tools and everybody knows how to run it and everybody has access to all these sounds and loops and beats and you know back then it was, it was like a very specialty thing you like you would just find this one you know weirdo computer nerd guy who <laughs> actually knew how to run some of these programs and they would just but it was very primitive you know it was like very and we go back now you know we we utilize you know a lot of those tracks at live you know some of the stuff you you know aren't from real instruments and a lot of stuff's like out of time it's not like today where everything's like perfectly gridded out and you know we still use like a lot of the original tracks from those records and yeah, they're just a mess. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But isn't that how it's supposed to be? A little rock and roll, a little imperfect? Yeah, I think that's probably why that those, you know, again, back to the recreating of Worlds Collide, I think, it, you know, it, that's another factor where it's difficult to recreate those, not mistakes, but those, you know, imperfections even in the computer stuff, you know, because it's not like now where it's just like everything's just dead on. And much as we utilize technology to make records, I always try to leave at least like the sloppiness to the guitars or the vocals and you know and if something's not quite right that's fine like that's the way it should be yeah uh, i think that you, yeah you definitely run the risk of you know it, it's easy to suck the life out of something and you know by over overworking it and and it's funny how sometimes you know you, i feel that way when i go back you know we, we'll make a record and it's done in a much more careful environment and then we go tour and play these songs for a year and i come back and i'll listen to the record and it feels so reserved you know what i mean because live the song after a while just turns into an entirely different different animal well yeah more more guitars i'm sure and you know live drums has a different impact on it yeah and vocals just being like you know pushed harder and not as concerned about subtleties as it is about just like getting you know getting your 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 voice heard over the noise you know it, it, it just changes the whole vibe of a of a song how long were you sitting on the noble rod had you had it done for a while did the did the uh, uh pandemic affect the release of it at all for you um, not really. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I was just working on it. We didn't have any kind of like deal or anything and uh, we were just making songs and, um, you know, kind of worked on it. That's another, you know, difference between the old days where you would block out, you know, three weeks of studio time and, and then you would just finish a record from beginning to end. These days it's more like, you know, oh, I have an idea for a song, work on it. And then maybe a week goes by and don't do anything. And so it's definitely a long, like a longer process overall, not necessarily time spent working but just how long it takes to get it done but no i mean there was no you know there might have been a moment where we considered like should we release this now but when it became clear there was no end in sight for you know this pandemic thing it just you know the way i look i try to look at it as an advantage it's like well everybody's home everybody's on their computers everybody's watching movies and listening to music so maybe it's actually a quite a good time to get people's focus and uh, attention on on the new record yeah, absolutely, and a great record. I love the record. One last question about about the record, and you had kind of touched on it, but Brave New World, you being a fan of hip-hop, I'm curious if you if you have a favorite uh, uh, rapper of all time. Oh, wow, of all time. That's tough. I mean, you know, if I start naming rappers that I, I'm going to seem 
yeah, like 100 years old, which I almost No, because I'll, I'll give you mine. I, I'll give you mine. It will make you feel better to get things going. Another. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my evolution of, I mean, look, I, I'm old enough to remember basically when it started, you know what I mean? The days of, you know, Run DMC yeah. and not even, not even Walk This Way, but like the first Run DMC record. You know, I remember my brother who lived in New York going to school and he came home for a break. I was still living at my parents' house at that time and he brought home this cassette of this thing called Run DMC. Like, what is this? And, and I was just like, this is amazing. You know, just so, but you know, I love those guys. I love, I remember obviously uh, the Beastie Boys and, uh, you know, NWA, which was a mind blower. I remember the day I first heard that record and, and being, working at Tower Records and we would, you know, we all, employees would get in early to stock the shelves before the store opened and we, and someone put on straight out of Compton and I was just like, it sounded so radical and aggressive. And I was like, this is like the new punk rock. Like this is, they're saying stuff that I've never heard anybody say before. <laughs> and so that, you know, that, and then, you know, Eric B and Rakim and Biggie and all, you know, uh, it's just like, there's so many great rappers, you know, and I, and I, I love Post Malone, you know what I mean? Even though he's not more of a singer than a rapper, like I think that he has an incredible vibe and sound to his music. Yeah, I hope he can kind of be that bridge to get kids into rock and roll too, because he is a real rocker and and plays guitar yeah, and loves I, all the rock bands. So I'm hoping I he's he, kind of I that think he bridge. has been that. He's been like probably the, the best ambassador for rock in a long time. Yeah, you know, by doing Nirvana live stream and in every interview he's mentioning you know some band that he loves, some metal band or you know, and I think and and, and it's also you know it's put him in the good graces of, of both scenes. You know what I mean? Uh, right definitely like done a lot you know because i think there's a lot of assumptions made about musicians and you know and i on a much smaller scale get that all the time i think there's people just sort of make up their minds about who you are and what you must think about and what you must like and they and they don't really understand like your maybe depth or history that you know you know i think that you know a lot of times people that don't give me a fair shake oh just some dumb new metal thing and you know it's Rob Zombie's brother and they don't realize like the history of uh, you know where I've come from and the things that I've done and the bands that I've seen and listened to and you know that you know I was that 14 year old kid at the channel in Boston watching Black Flag you know what I mean I, you know it's like or whatever you know it's just like so I think that the same thing you know people are starting to see Post Malone in a different light like wow Jeez, he he's not just this white rapper, you know, he actually has a lot of musical depth to him and I think it's a great thing. Yeah, that's why I love doing these interviews is trying to to show the other sides of musicians like yourself and try not to be so one-dimensional, kind of open up and talk about other things or different bands or influences and stuff like that to kind of help connect the dots between everybody, you know, because we all are music fans in the end. So I'm going to hold you down, favorite rapper of all time. Oh, well, uh... God, who would I think is... Uh, uh, you didn't tell me yours yet. Uh, I'll, I'll you give you mine. First. I'll give you mine. I, I, I settled a long time ago. I'm going Ice Cube. That's a good choice. He's definitely, definitely up there. I mean, he was definitely, I think, the talent behind, you know, the whole NWA thing. I mean, Dr. Dre as well. Although there was some guys, the Ghost Riders, I think, with him, uh, the DOC. Yeah. Remember him? He was, yeah. Uh, he had that terrible accident, right? Was it? The- yeah, he had, yeah, he like lost his voice or something. I right. think he still does stuff. He's not like, yeah, he, because he was sort of poised to be the, the next, next guy. big thing out of, uh, out of the NWA camp. 
I don't know if I can pick one. I know that's really lame to dodge, but I just don't know if I can pick one. But you know what? Who might have overall had the biggest influence on me? And I don't think he's the best rapper, you know, like talent-wise. I'm going to say uh, that had the most effect and influence would probably be Chuck D from Public Enemy. Ah, okay. Okay. Totally yeah. understand that. I think I, those records, at least those first three records they put out for me were just like, I wore them out, you know, and I just thought there was such a power to his voice, you know, that it just, you believed everything that guy said, yeah. you know what I mean? Still like around and, and relevant and it's pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable career. Yeah. One of the greatest MCs of all time. Dude, I appreciate all the time. One last question. One last thing I got to get you to pick on and get on the, get on the rock side of things since, since we've talked okay. hip hop and we've talked industrial, get it, bring it back to rock, but, but keep it in the nineties for a second. And even if it's not necessarily bands you're massive fans of you're still going to have an opinion you're still going to have a favorite for the for the bands that ruled the early 90s in rock and which i've lovingly nicknamed the flannel five <laughs> okay so i need to know your, you your favorite out of nirvana pearl jam uh, stp wow. aic soundgarden wow here's the funny thing and i and i can't i can pick a favorite but it, it's weird i was that weird guy in the 90s wasn't like enamored with that scene mm-hmm. and, it, and it and i almost credit it for the success that power man had in those early days in boston because when we started out it was the grunge explosion right so every band was trying to be nirvana and Soundgarden, and we were these weird weirdos doing like this weird rap funk metal punk rock hybrid in it and we stuck out like a sore thumb you know so i think it, it, it was great in the sense that you know i didn't anyway like fall in love with that scene as much as everybody else did absolutely appreciate in, in all those bands but that said i think if i really was pressed to pick the band that i thought was like kind of the coolest of them all. You know, obviously Nirvana is going to be everybody's pick because of the influence they had. And, right. uh, and I do think that it would be between them and Alice in Chains. And the only reason I would say that is because I think Alice in Chains had such a darkness to them yes. that was much more unique than the other bands. Like if I think about SCP, you know, I, in a weird way, I, as great as they were, I think of them as a bit of a uh, like a second wave of that, you know, Soundgarden as great and talented as they are in the songs they wrote, you know, it was a bit, um, for me anyway, like a little bit down the middle as a rock band, you know, like, you know, it was like a modern day Zeppelin or something, you know what I mean? And then, you know, the other two, you know, between then Nirvana, you know, I think just broke the, the wall down and they were much more, I guess, punk rock. But Alice in Chains definitely had like a sinisterness to them that I think that the other band didn't, which I think ultimately makes them like the coolest one. See, me too, me too. I picked them because of those those haunting vocals, those those tender melodies between Jerry and Lane, and then, of course, Jerry, I think, probably the most celebrated guitar, guitarist in that bunch, like signature sound, signature riffs, like, he, he you know, was kind of the, the best player out of that bunch, too, I think. Yeah, well, I'm glad we, we pretty much agree on everything down the line, <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time and the great music, and Hopefully we get back to touring sooner than later and I'll see you out there on the road. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for thanks for everything, man. Talk to you soon. Later. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967 and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, 
Don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.